0: Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Stor. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 72, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brennan. How are you doing? I would be so much better if you weren't this close to me.
1: Yeah, it's very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, we, we, are, uh, we had some equipment failure, Yeah, and so we are having to record this episode using a single microphone. Side by side. Like Kenny and Dolly. Like the old days. There's going to be some uh, audio quality issues on this episode. Uh, we, we beg your patience. I, I spent five hours I know yesterday did. monkeying around with this garbage. And there's a good reason why you did. Yes, a great reason. It is absolutely worth it because we have a guest storyteller. An excellent guest storyteller. Absolutely. Today, our guest is Kevin Eustace. He is a musician and, perhaps more importantly, the host of the We Need to Talk About Ghost podcast. Kevin, welcome to The Ghost Story, guys.
2: Thank you, Brennan, and thank you, Ian. It's a pleasure to be in that tiny mountain cabin, and I finally reached it, so here we are.
0: Yeah. You're, you're very lucky. It's a small and privileged group. Yeah, and, and, and kind of a cramped and smelly group, too. It's Right a, now it is. Yeah, yeah. This is this is not <laughs> optimal, let me tell you. You are, like, way too close to me. Like what? Like, That's at least 12 inches. Please stop.
1: (laughs) I like
2: the idea we just both sat that close next to one microphone. It seems very cute.
1: It is not. It's funny because (laughs) our very first podcast, we had to share a mic. Actually, first couple, I think.
0: But we were still on opposite sides of the table. We didn't have to snuggle up like this. Oh, good call. Where's that mic? Oh, It's somewhere, (laughs) not here. Where I'm with you, and I am not can, we not. can we not dwell on this? Yes, let's move on. <laughs> on tonight's show, we're going to be telling stories about vanishing ladies. Which is kind of the story of your love life. Yeah, Ooh. thank you. Thank you. That's... Are they also weeping? <laughs> I'm the one weeping. <laughs> with disappointment? Well, okay, that, that happens. Usually snickering with disappointment. <laughs> snickering. Yeah. yeah.
1: With shock and disappointment. Yeah.
0: But if you don't look in their eyes afterwards, you don't see the disappointment.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's fine. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs>
0: oh
1: my god that's awesome
0: you know I, I'm, I'm actually I, I had such a lame dating life before I got married really like it was not a I was not a Lothario at all I mean Kevin at least had the music going for him I got uh, I can play the radio you can play the radio. I can sometimes make armpit farts. Play, or real ones. Well, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lord fair. have mercy.
2: No, I I guarantee you, if I didn't have my partner, Becca, then um, I'd probably... Tinder would be no use to me. I'd probably get grinder up just so I could go for a pint with someone. But um, <laughs> other than that, I'd be useless.
0: That's I awesome. want to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah,
2: <right. laughs> well, time to go. High five. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, there is a theme to tonight's show. This is <laughs> we've been at this for a while. We're actually recording this after again. Like this this yeah. is yeah, full disclosure. We're recording this after we've recorded the rest of the show because well, we, we realized part way in that we had some pretty major equipment failure.
1: Well, and also um for us it's weird because we usually do this in the evening yes but because of the time difference in England as to here we had to start at 9am oh so it's been a bit of a long day zero
0: stars yeah but I'm yeah. excited to get to the stories absolutely Kevin is a hell of a storyteller
2: lies lies all of it lies you'll find out soon enough <laughs>
0: disagree all right so coming up after the break the lady manches
3: you a saint but you know I'm a stranger oh, to do what you want You think I'm a thinker But I'm just a singer All busy and pretty Just making believe leave falling I'm falling, I'm falling I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling Time to obscurity Don't let me ever be this alone I'm
0: Welcome falling, back falling. As we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be telling stories about ghostly women or, or disappearing women. <laughs> I just really love the name The Lady Vanishes. Yeah. And so, you know, we ended up there. But before we do, Kevin, why don't you tell our listeners about your show? We Need to Talk About Ghosts.
2: Sure. Um, well, it's we need to talk about ghosts, like you've just said. It's a ghost story show. That should be obvious. It's a listener-driven one. So I started it off by talking about like Amityville and Enfield Poltergeist and stuff everybody knows, really. But I come at it from an angle that I imagine if you're listening to the show, you probably know about ghosts and anyway. And you've probably got a bit of an education about the paranormal. So I read out listeners' stories. And if there's something within the story that I think, you know, that doesn't make much sense or uh, without being rude, I'll I'll pull it out. And it's about like just having a bit of a laugh, building a bit of a community. So normally I'll just waffle on for about five minutes about what's happened in my day. And then I'll tell a ghost story. And it tends to be that I start off all laughing, and jokey. And then I start with the stories, and by the end of it, I'm crapping myself, and I want to go to bed. So that's how it works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind
1: of the, the yeah, trajectory of
0: our show. About right. Although we do it yeah. after you finish work, so by then you're ready for bed.
1: Uh, yeah, the rough days are when we do the uh, the uh, live show, cabin fever, and a full episode. Oh yeah. By then, I'm the sweet release of death. Would be yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> oh, we love this humor in your show, man. We always uh, we, we we've talked about this before. How yeah. we get chuckle about it? Yeah, and of course, I, I used to love used to do the the spooky Paul McCartney bits, oh, and yeah. I, I loved those.
2: Yeah, I, did, I decided, it was like a bit of a weird one because I was, initially I was struggling for content because I get maybe two emails a week and I had to try and drag it out for 30 minutes. So I decided that I'd have the ghost of Paul McCartney coming on. He's not dead, poor fella, but um, I had the ghost <laughs> of him coming on. Every week he'd be like, uh, he started with letter A, obviously, and he'd be like, A is for astral projection and um, stuff <laughs> like that. and um People were like emailing me and saying, "Why, why are you doing that? I, I like your stories, but stop doing that." And I was like, "Well, I've started a bloody alphabet now. I've got to at least that's get right. to Z." I can't,
1: I can't stop. I
2: can't. Exactly. Stop. Yeah. So I killed him off at the letter Z. So because um, <laughs> I had enough content.
0: Which was a sad day because man, I I, I really hoped one day to do like ghostly John Lennon,
2: <laughs> telling him, like,
0: "You got to die early, then to remember you well."
2: And that's good. You should definitely. I'm going to figure out how to do these interview things. You're coming on as Lennon.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So you do the show about ghosts, and sometimes you have things happening in your apartment, but there's some debate between you and your partner as to whether or not it's actually uh, a yeah. spirit, yeah?
2: Yeah, she's a complete skeptic, unlike me, obviously. I, mean, I I run a bloody ghost podcast, so I'm a believer, but we've had like things. So for example, it's a, where, where the flat is, it's like being built in the 1700s, the area. Um, it's all literally, I know it's cliche, but there's an old graveyard that's now being turned into a house on outside. And this was an old paraffin factory initially. So we've had things like um, we've smelled paraffin in the house, although it's not being produced here for hundreds of years. We've both been sat on the couch and we've seen the lid of the swing bin moving. The best one was we were in the kitchen and I had me back to the to the sink and she's talking to me and her eyes go wide. And I turn around just in time to see this like lever tap on the tap, the faucet or whatever, um, moving down and turning on. And the tap came on in front of both of us. But because she's so rational, she can't accept any of this. So she's like, Well, you know, that'll be water pressure. There must have been something dropping in the bin that caused that. And the point that she always (laughs) makes, which I kind of have to go, fair enough. She's like, well, all right, if it's a ghost, why would a ghost decide to come into our flat and turn the tap on?
3: I'm,
2: I'm a bit like, yeah, that's fair enough. That thing I sent you um,
1: where the the guy goes in and buys a crystal ball and uh, the woman says to him, now, whatever you do, no matter anything else, always cover the crystal ball with a cloth when you're not using it. And the guy looks at her and he says, because of ghosts? And she's like, no, because it'll burn your house down if the sun hits it in the right direction. And it's like, okay, sometimes... It's just science.
0: And I think it goes a long way towards proving that if you don't properly manage your balls, they will destroy your household. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, before we get to the stories, I had a little bit of an update because on a a past episode- The phantom cat. The phantom cat, yes. Oh, yeah. So on a past episode, I mentioned that I had seen this cat in the windowsill. But our cat was still, one of our cats was still laying on the foot of the bed. Now, the cat that was laying on the foot of the bed is a real dick. And he (laughs) does not like other cats. And he will sometimes wake up at, pardon me, wake us up at 2, 3, 4 in the morning with this horrible caterwauling when he sees another cat outside. So when I saw the cat in the window and he wasn't moving, I thought something's wrong. And then Nikki, my wife, she saw a cat that she didn't recognize wander past the bathroom. And I thought, okay, something is going on. And I was thinking, you know, it was a phase of the moon thing. Oh, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I mentioned it to Rachel. Uh, and she said, well, you know, you sure it's not just a cat? I said, well, of course I'm sure it's not a cat, for Christ's sakes. My other cat would freak out if it was another cat. Yeah, so it turns out it's another cat.
3: <laughs>
0: and I know this because I saw the little bastard leave through the window. And I think what he did is I think he kicked hell out of my other cat and this is now his territory. Yeah. And your cat has said, yes, this is your territory. That's it. Wow. Which I understand because I have been in fights and lost. And <laughs> you're not in any real hurry to re- relitigate the conflict. No, no. No. And I think I've said this before, but in Fight Club, you know, they say, you don't really know anything about yourself till you've been in a fight. Well, I learned uh, that I don't like being punched in the face very much.
1: <laughs> and so Mike, my- I love that your ghost cat was- a cat
0: it was a cat yeah. that's
1: awesome
0: <laughs> i mean a vicious cat because he kicked the shit out of my cat true but uh you know i say a vicious cat isn't quite the same as it was a ghost no not well no. that
1: sounds exciting
0: especially because we're talking about house
1: cats yeah this isn't a puma No,
0: no 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 all right so let's get to the stories
1: the last train For a long time I had a job I enjoyed and worked reasonable hours. But like so many people, the financial downturn hit my industry hard, and in recent years I find myself using my degree to work a series of jobs I don't particularly like. The hours of these jobs have been taxing too, and quite often, at least on the nights I get off early enough to make it, I find myself taking the last train home. It was on one of these nights that my story takes place. Business was slow, so my manager cut me loose early. And so I was standing on the platform in an otherwise empty station, close to midnight, waiting for a train. Minutes slipped by, and slowly a realization crept into my head. I was totally alone and exposed, and at either end of the narrow platform was a yawning blackness. I shivered and pulled my coat tighter. Something felt wrong, but I couldn't say exactly what. I saw her then, a girl, maybe in her teens, sitting on the edge of the opposite platform. It was too dark to see her face, but she was slim and almost birdlike, as she gracefully hopped down onto the track, a shadowy outline standing somewhere she shouldn't. My heart started beating hard against my chest, and I screamed, but she paid no attention. Rather, she started walking, heel-toe along the rail, towards me but not looking at me. She was looking forward, down the track, until the moment our eyes met. Her skin was pale white her eyes black and deeply set, I froze. The last train came then, and as it did, the girl vanished, just like she'd never been there.
0: I feel like there's just
1: something innately terrifying about taking the last train anywhere. Oh, 100%, and late at night, and train stations, I mean, even subway stations are creepy. I don't know if you, I I used to have to use the Toronto subway all the time, and taking that last train We've talked before about how environments change at a oh, certain yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. And I really felt that with the subway. You would go there during the day, everything was fine. But you go there at night and there's maybe just you in a station. Right. Oh, whole nother feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: terrifying. I mean, there's, there are things, there are certain stories that stick out. They're so viscerally visual. And that's one of them. Like, you know, you can see it. I mean, I, the way I walk home from work, I have to walk through an alley. And I'm short-sighted. So now I've got her to look forward to when I'm looking forward to uh, getting home. <laughs> Ghost story, guys. Ruining your commute since 2017. <laughs> the next story is called The Lady Vanishes. Salt Lake City, Utah, is a beautiful spot, and while most people identify it as the, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'll be honest, I don't, because I don't know what that is, they often don't know much else about the place. For example, they don't know that the east, now central, part of the city used to be a major rail hub with two separate train depots, Union and Rio Grande. Sundays in SLC can be pretty boring. A lot of the businesses are Mormon-owned and so closed for the day, narrowing your options for stuff to do. If you don't want to, to go home, it's too hot to be outside. Back when I lived there, a lot of us younger people would go from church directly to Crossroads Mall, which was built on the park of the old rail yard. We'd get something to eat, hang out, talk. Like I said, Sundays in Salt Lake City could be pretty sleepy. I do hope there's a ghost coming. My story takes place <laughs> one of these sleepy Sundays when, after church, I went over to the crossroads to find that it was closed for renovation. It was a brutally hot day and my apartment had no air conditioning, so there was no way I was going home. Instead, I thought I'd try another mall, the Gateway, which wasn't far off. Good idea. Gateway Mall, which is an outdoor mall, also turned out to be mostly closed. So I got back in my car and started driving up toward Union Station. It was then I saw The Bride. more specifically i saw a tiny bird-like woman in a wedding dress standing on the northwest corner of the block she had full makeup on and was holding flowers she was staring at me so i slowed down in case she was in some kind of trouble but she never communicated with me in any way the strangest thing about this was that her dress had the strange quality to it it was like it was shining. I would personally drive the other way very fast. Let's see. (laughs) If he does that, I don't think he will. At first, I thought she was simply having a Sunday wedding. But when I looked around, there was no one else. No photographer, no crowd, no nothing. It was weird enough that I turned around to pass her again. He's gone back. I can't believe he's gone back. And that's when I noticed her dress was unusually large and old fashioned. This happened in the mid 2000s. Again, the woman simply stared at me as I passed, <laughs> her head turning to follow me. For some reason, I couldn't let it go, and I now had to, to know why she was there. So I took a quick spin around the gateway. He's gone back again to see if maybe there was the a gem. wedding. I, don't, I can't <laughs> believe it. To see if there was a wedding <laughs> shop she was meant to be advertising for. <laughs> there was no wedding <laughs> shop, and when I came back to where I'd seen her, she was gone. I hadn't seen anyone come or go and hadn't heard any cars. The woman, had simply vanished dun 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 that is ter- i mean my joking aside that's terrifying i would have just got yeah. out of there like a dog out of a hot building that was horrible
1: well i i, I don't understand the going back i mean maybe because i'm a no. coward but no i mean some people you know they see something like that and they're like "Ooh, what's going on you know your story reminded me you know you talked about when the water turned on in your flat when i was a teenager i had a friend we're still friends actually she was just out here a couple months ago But her house that her parents rented was haunted. And this was like 30 years ago. And we were, she was telling me about some things that had been going on. No one else was home, just me and her. And it was a split level, right? So we were in the lower level. And we heard the water turn on in the kitchen and no one else was home. And (laughs) so she looked at me and I looked at her and and she goes, did you hear that? And I said, yeah and she goes that happens only when i'm here by myself i said cool and then we kept watching tv because
2: there's no way i'm going up there nope no No way way.
0: i will forever remain ignorant of what is happening here exactly and gratefully so (laughs) yes the beggar when i was a child my father sent me to stay for the summer with our family in new delhi india at the time we lived in mumbai he was planning to accompany me but at the last moment he was swamped with work and so decided to send me ahead then take another train himself. The journey from Mumbai to New Delhi via train is a long one, and on the day of my departure my father became nervous about sending me so far away. We were just about to leave the station and go back home when a man called my father's name. The man turned out to be Siraj, an old friend of my father's who now worked on the railway. As it turned out he was not only a conductor, but a conductor on the very train I was meant to leave on, and when he heard my father's concerns he offered to look after me on the journey. It was a real adventure, traveling up front of the train with Siraj. He showed me how all the controls worked, and I felt like I was a character in a book. Then, something odd happened while stopped at a red signal. Darkness had fallen earlier in the evening, and so we sat waiting in a very poor neighborhood, the tracks lined by slums. It didn't feel unsafe at all, but it felt unusually quiet. The signal was a long one, taking maybe 20 or 30 minutes, so I had time to think about this. Eventually, an old woman hobbled up the road from the direction of the slum. She was tiny and leaned heavily on her walking stick as she approached the train. Siraj had allowed me to sit near the window to watch the scenery go by, so when the old woman reached the train, I was the first person she approached. Reaching through the window, the old woman tugged on my sleeve and begged for food. I was a child and felt bad for the obviously hungry old lady, so I asked Siraj if he had any food for her. That's when he shocked me by yelling at me to get away from the window. I moved quickly, more out of shock than actual fear, and once I did, Siraj also shouted at the old woman. He specifically said, Go away from here. I have nothing to give you, then followed up with some profanity I would only heard my father use when he was very upset. She left, and moments later the train started to move again. Once we were fully underway, Siraj quietly asked me if I wanted to go back near the window, which of course I did. Before I would move, though, I needed to know why he had shouted at me earlier. He sighed and asked me to look outside, which I did. "'How far away from this window would you say the ground is?' Siraj asked me. I said I didn't know, but it looked far. "'It's eleven feet,' he said. "'Tell me now how that old woman, who was maybe five feet tall, "'was able to walk right up to you and ask for food.' I understood them. Siraj explained he had known the woman in life, years before she had lived in this neighborhood, but had stumbled on the tracks one day and been unable to get back up before the train cut her to pieces. Ever since then she had been seen wandering the track, begging for food.' Not only that, Siraj said, if you fed her, she would sometimes follow you home. She didn't mean anything cruel by it, but she must have reasoned that if you fed her once, you would do it again. That was the last time during the journey that I sat anywhere near the window. Uh, no kidding. Yep, that's why trains should have windows that do not
2: open. <laughs> uh, horrible, absolutely horrible. Gary, I mean, we're three floors up here, so I would say, like, you know, our flat is three floors up, so it's actually prime position for a floating Indian lady to ask for food. <laughs> it actually said that in the brochure. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking a very pale gentleman in a cape.
0: Yes, yeah, knocking on the with window. a Romanian accent. Let me in, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. Perfect. Uh, we one of our patrons. I, I don't know if I should say which, but he works on the railroad, and he was telling me some fascinating stuff. Really about haunting on the rail. Oh, I believe it. He was saying that the number of people who are killed yeah. as a result of collisions, like people on the tracks or in yeah. front of trains, or not hearing them, or not like hearing literally
1: them. Yeah. having headphones in,
0: walking on the tracks, and then yeah, yeah. And he was telling me, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but. Uh, because i being very vague. Yes. But he was saying that some of the locomotives out of his station or area have over 100 bodies on them. <gasps> wow. Jesus.
1: It's like um, when people would jump onto the tracks in the subway. Right. They don't ever report that, like, like to the media. What it is is, oh, the train's going to be delayed by 40 minutes. Of course. And everyone knows what it is. But you just don't talk about it. Well,
0: remember there was that night I told you about last summer, I think it was, uh, in 2018 when I was in Vancouver with my in-laws. Right. And I was riding around the train just for something to do because I'm a nerd. hmm And uh, yeah, they stopped the train at some far off station and yeah. said, yeah, it's the last train for the night. Get off. Yeah. And I had to take a bus 77 stops. Oh, nightmare. <laughs>
2: You know what? Interestingly, though, there's a, there's a, um, on the railway station out of Liverpool going through to Heighton is the first ever recorded death by train. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. When they were testing um, Stevenson's rocket going up and down, uh, an MP called Huskisson was struck by a train um, and he died later on in hospital. But in the cathedral at the top of our road here, there's a big memorial to him and apparently his ghost is seen limping walking around that of a night which uh, I don't go and look for I'll tell you that much no good plan do you, yeah. do you do that kind of stuff do you like do ghost hunts that kind of thing we did for the Halloween specials that we tried to do so we went to like a haunted uh, recording studio which has got a crack and tail behind it and um, we did go to the cathedral ju- um, just in twilight really just to have a little look around but apparently there's like 58,000 bodies buried there it's like it's an it's cow a, it's like a small county it's bizarre just buried there no But but not, ne- not really now. The rest are just do from the flat.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, uh, I don't do that either. No. Nope. We actually had a listener sent me a message on Instagram and asked what I do before going into a haunted location. And I said more or less why well, I don't go into the haunted location. Yeah. That's kind of my, <laughs> my solution. Yeah. Really. If I'm in a haunted location, it's by mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm on the wrong bus. Yeah, exactly. Seven 77 stops.
1: The Screaming Lady. My brother-in-law, David, my wife's brother, lives in Calgary, Alberta. And sometimes when I have to be in the city on business, I'll stay with him and his wife, Annie, rather than bother with paying for a hotel room, than expensing it back through the company. Sure, I like the solitude and personal space a hotel room offers, but they have a better shower than the Hyatt, and their house is a little closer to where I need to be for work. If you've never driven in Calgary, let me tell you that it sucks and should be done as little as possible. Not Boston or New York sucks, but bad enough. David and Annie's place is out in the burbs and feels exactly as boring and safe as it sounds, nestled as it is next to a pretty thickly forested green space. In fact, it was there I first saw her. But before I get to her, let me say that I'm a pretty level-headed man who isn't known for making up stories for attention. I make money to get attention, big difference. And before this, I had never seen anything you might call supernatural or whatever. It was a summer night in Calgary. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't sleep. David and Nanny had gone to bed early on in the night. For childless people, they sure are boring. This is totally anonymous, so I can say whatever the hell I like without consequences. David is lame, Nanny is cute, and I really only stay with them to hang out with her. See, no consequences. Anyway, that summer night, it was just the right temperature outside. So I had the window open to get some airflow and was laying on my bed staring at the ceiling when I heard it. It was a distant, high pitched noise. And at first, I didn't think much of it thought it could have been a train or an animal or anything but then it got closer and it was clearly a woman she was screaming i rose up from my bed and i went to the window to see if there was anyone out there sure enough a woman came bolting out of the green space she was well dressed in a skirt and blouse but there were dark stains on her clothes too my first thought was that's blood followed by shit she's in trouble As I stood there in the window, the woman began running down the street toward David and Annie's place, screaming the whole way. Now, I'm a coward and a jerk, but even I can't ignore someone so obviously in need of help. So I ran downstairs to the front door and flipped on the porch light. It was when I finally flipped open the door that things went bad. The woman, terror etched on her face, was still running up the block now, almost directly in a line to the front door, like she'd seen our porch light come on. But the closer she got, the harder she got to see. It doesn't make any sense, but it was like the woman was fading away. By the time she was 50 foot from the door, she was invisible. But the screaming remained. I slammed the door, slapped off the porch light, and collapsed to the ground below the frosted glass window. On the other side, the screaming continued, almost as if she knew I was still there. I was pinned. I had this crazy notion in my head that if I stood up, this woman, or whatever she was, would see me but I couldn't stay there and listen to her screams either. Somehow the noise didn't wake up the other two people in the house. And let me tell you, that was my exit strategy. When David and Annie didn't come charging down the stairs, I realized I was alone in the dead of night with a living nightmare. I ran like hell back upstairs, window be damned, and hid in my bedroom until the sound faded. Nowadays, I stay at the Hyatt.
0: Straight Calgary off your list of places to visit in Canada. I'm, Canada. I'm from Calgary. It's a good city.
2: You know what? No, Honestly, not. my vision of that story literally went, no, no. Oh, Bret Hart's from Calgary. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs>
1: hey, I had Brett Hart as a substitute teacher once. Really? Seriously. Yeah. What was he teaching? Um, it was just a sub. It was a grade nine. And uh, <laughs> that's what he did for extra cash. It was before his big, big, big days. Right. He was on the Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. and uh, and he he was our sub. Everyone knew who he was, though. Of course, but that's what he did. I love the idea if he puts one of the kids
2: in a sharpshooter. (laughs) Anyway, it's not going to make sense. (laughs) Anyone who doesn't watch wrestling, I'm sorry. That story is terrifying. It really is. There's like the screams right up to the door you can visualize that i I really i'm gonna say i hate it i and mean, when i say i hate it i love it but that's the sort of story that sticks in my head and like they're the great stories that you're going to go to sleep thinking oh god you're literally lying in bed on you? you you try not even to breathe like someone's going to go oh he's breathing run away but they're not you're just like yeah. <laughs> almost passing or- out holding your breath
1: or he's breathing get him <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's more likely that's why i slept with the covers over my head till i was 12.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I slept with the lights on until I was 39, so, and I'm only 40 now. <laughs> well, there you go.
0: <laughs> well, when I had that uh, that cough in my hallway when Nikki was out of town, I uh, literally slept. I'm, I am 30, what, 36? I slept with the lights on all night. I would have just slept in the living room with the lights on. I wouldn't even have gone I down the hallway. I don't know why I went yeah. to bed. I'm stupid. don't know either. No. no. I'm handsome, but not smart. <laughs> I think it's
2: one of, that's one of those situations where it's so scary that if you actually acknowledge that it could be something paranormal, You'd go mad. So you have to rationalize it and go to bed and just go. I no. totally
1: agree with you. Yeah. I yeah. have been in that situation, I, and we hear it. All the time, for people. Yeah. they'll talk about probably the one of the most scariest things I've ever heard of in my life, and then they're like, and then I rolled over and went back to sleep because
2: <laughs> yeah. your mind doesn't know what to do with it. What's the alternative? The alternative is to say, so then I stood up and faced Satan and said, "Listen here, no, it's not." Yeah, happening. exactly. I went to a hotel because that made sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly. No. So yeah.
0: many, <laughs> so many of my stories end with, and I cried myself to sleep.
1: <laughs> Ties <laughs> in with your so whole point. vanishing lady love life,
2: really. You son of a bitch. <laughs> (laughs) The Purple Lady. My first paranormal encounter happened when I was a young girl. I won't get into the details here. Well, why bother them? But it wasn't my first, and those experiences have continued to the present day. The story I'm about to tell you takes place in my early teens in my hometown of Bellflower, California. The house where I grew up in Bellflower was unremarkable, quiet, suburban, clean. The kind of place where one day rushes into another without too much or to single it out, or at least until I ran into her. Okay. At first, this particular day was like any other. It was a weekend, and I spent the first half of the day out at the farmer's market with my mother. We came home around one in the afternoon on a clear summer summer day, and I decided to head straight to my room for some quiet time. I bounded up the stairs, beelined it to the hall, to my door, and then opened it to find myself face to face with a strange woman in a purple dress who had a furious expression on her face. What the hell? In an instant, I felt pressure in my chest. But rather than scream, I closed my eyes, turned the door, and ran to my mother's room. Okay, that sounds like a sensible thing to do. I think you're fine to do that. Later, my mother told me she was immediately worried when I came to her room because I was pale and looked distraught. I told her what happened, and she marched straight into my now, apparently, empty room and said out loud that whoever was in there should leave me alone from that day forward i felt a presence in my room she's still there i can't believe that move house woman but she's never again shown herself to me my five-year-old niece has however mm. the sighting happened that sighting sorry happened during a visit from my aunt and uncle who brought over their two girls sherry and danelle the adults were sitting around the kitchen having a drink and chatting about old times and the kids were running to and fro around the house playing. After a while, Cherie came downstairs to the kitchen looking upset. She walked up to my aunt and said she didn't want to play upstairs anymore because of the angry lady in the purple dress. Burn the house down and run away. That's my advice. Everyone got quiet after a while for that, and the kids stuck to the living room. As for me, I didn't sleep in my room for the rest of the week. The week! Rest of the week. Oh my god! Run away, child, would, run away. I would be signing up to be a
0: ward of the government. I think I'd be like, I have no home. I was gonna say I'd ride the rails like a hobo, but now I realize that's actually not better.
2: No,
1: <laughs> no, you are running into more creepy stuff <laughs> that way.
2: I mean, to leave, you know, I didn't sleep in it for a week. What would it take for you to leave the house? It's like, you know, I'm sharing it with a woman in a purple dress who's angry. She's a ghost, but, you know, I'll give it a week. Maybe she'll calm down. It
1: actually sounds like a lot of marriages, I know, to be honest, (laughs) sharing sharing a house with an angry woman. So, uh, you know,
2: is it really that bad?
1: I guess you'd be an expert then. Oh! (laughs) We'll leave that there. Are the papers signed? Ah.
0: Should we leave that there? (laughs) Better leave it there for now. Okay, okay. Fair, fair. Next to the tree. My family lives on a plot of land way out in the sticks. Some people have a hard time constantly being away from the world, but I like it and always have. The only real downside is that sometimes out there in the trees, you see things you can't explain. Several years ago, I was walking back to our main house from one of the outbuildings on the property. It's a fair distance, maybe a five-minute walk, and as I walked, my mind wandered the way it usually does. It was while I was wool-gathering, so my grandmother always called daydreaming, that I saw a woman standing behind a tree, staring at me. Her right side was hidden behind the tree, but I could see she was wearing a red shirt and had red, possibly ginger hair down to her shoulders. If I had to guess, I'd say she was somewhere between 40 and 50. The woman disappeared almost immediately after I looked directly at her, but for some reason I wasn't afraid. In fact, I felt as though I knew her. Later that day when my mother came home from shopping, I told her what had happened, and she told me this wasn't the first time I'd seen something like this. Apparently, more than once during my childhood, I had come to her and said I'd seen a woman fitting this description staring at me from behind a tree. This hasn't happened to me since, but I'm deeply curious as to who this woman is and why she's so interested in me, of all people. I mean, I got to say, if a 40-year-old redheaded woman was staring at me from the woods, I, I might actually go to the woods. You probably would, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, you probably. I'm just saying. I'm would end in tears. Always. <laughs> yeah, always. That's just the <laughs> way it goes. who crying. covered it usually does. So, that's fine. <laughs> just, that's, doesn't, that's doesn't that sound it... like a
2: banshee, though? You know, I'm just thinking about You know, like a red-haired woman. I'd be interested to know if that person, each time she's seen her, there was a death in the family. You know, like a red-haired woman. Just oh, oh yeah.
1: Married. Like tied to something like that. The Help Years ago, I worked as a bartender at a place in the Midwest. It was a rough spot in a small working-class town, so it got pretty rowdy, and you eventually learned to take it in stride. Once I got used to the sometimes hectic pace of the place, I started to notice other things. Creaking, noises, bumps, and so on, which at first, I assumed, was the building settling. After all, old buildings make noise. My assumption lasted until the night I stayed after work to play pool with the rest of the staff. This was around 2.30 in the morning, and there were only a few of us there. It had been a pretty hairy night, and we all needed to unwind. As I stood at the bar, sipping a beer and waiting for my turn at the table, one of the side doors opened and closed by itself. My manager poured a little whiskey into a glass, set it down on an empty chair, and said to no one I could see, Here you go, honey. This one's on me. Of course, I had no idea what was going on, or who she was talking to. So I asked, and that's how I found out the bar was haunted. The manager told me that years before, a young woman was beaten to death by her old boyfriend when she had the nerve to say hi to a guy friend of hers. For some reason, no one stepped in, and it had been a bad scene. At the end of it all, the boyfriend tossed the poor girl's body out at the back. Ever since then, unexplainable things had happened, or so my manager says. Men who act up will get pushed out of nowhere, or things like ashtrays would fly at them. Things go missing, then turn back up in odd spots. The regulars, employees, and customers alike would refer to her as friend or love and speak to her like she was anyone else, but with a little more warmth. Given how she'd come to be there, that seemed fair to me. Ever since that night, I leave a glass for her on the bar, and sometimes I'll hear, hey girl, whispered in my ear. One night, the rain was just hammering down. As I stood there looking at it, I heard footsteps coming up behind me, and that same voice saying, wow. I just nodded and said, wow is right, it is bad out there. What else can you do? She does her best to help out, too. One time I was hefting a case of beer from the cooler and didn't have a real firm grip on it. While the whole way to the bar I felt an icy hand on my back steadying me. Only once did I ever actually see her. And that happened on a day when the scheduled bartender called in sick at literally the last minute and we ended up opening at 3 rather than 11. And when I was storming through the building turning things on, I came up on the shadow of a woman. She put her hands up and darted away, and after getting over my own shock, I realized I'd scared her. So I apologized out loud, put her cup on the bar, and kept talking as I continued my open. So far as I know, that poor girl is still hanging around that bar, and I cannot for the life of me understand why. Maybe she's afraid to move on to what's next. Maybe she's stuck in some kind of loop and thinks she works there. Either way, it taught me not to assume the supernatural is always frightening. Sometimes they're just afraid of you as you are of them. I love that story. I think that shows so much of what we have been trying to say over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just about ghosts being just people. Yeah, it's just part of life. And this poor woman met a horrible end and maybe she doesn't know she's actually dead. Right. All she realizes is she can't leave Well, it reminded me, you
0: know, sometimes you see movies where the character is sort of like living a... Look, Sixth Sense. Yeah. They're living a version of
1: their life, but it's limited and they don't
0: understand...
1: But they don't even think about, about it they have like what he thought of was gaps in his memory or he couldn't figure out how he got to a certain place yeah 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 absolutely i think that's a, actually a really sweet story it's yep. a great yeah. story
2: i do i do think it's i mean i, I well, like brennan i completely think no i'm sorry when they say the more scared of you than you are them no way sorry that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> the podcast that we do, both do but i do think as well like if she i get the fact that she may be thinking that life is going on for her but the, she must yeah. like, like each night, like come two o'clock when the bar empties and she's alone for like eight hours, she must think, what the hell's going on here? Why am I the only one here? Unless she like goes and has to sleep somewhere else.
1: Well, I was gonna say, I mean, maybe she just sort of phases out. I, I don't yeah, know. that's a good
2: point, It's a good point.
1: But no, I agree with you. I don't know that, uh, yeah, that they're as scared of us as we are of them, but no way. I think, you know what? I always say on the ghost tour, if you are a nice person when you're alive, you're probably going to be a nice person when you're dead. And if you're a jerk when you're alive, death seldom improves your disposition. I yeah. want to know what kind of garbage dump hellhole
0: you can beat a woman to death in. And, and no, one does kind no one does.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then he throws in. her at the back of the bar. Yeah. Wow.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that is lore more than it is truth. Oh, That's yeah.
1: dark. Man. That breaks my heart.
2: The next story is called The Hike. My wife, Linda, and I adore the outdoors. Hiking, biking, whatever outside sport you care to name. Odds are we enjoy it or have at least tried it at some point during our 20 years of marriage. Even gone skydiving. Very good. Up until last year, we would always find those insufferable people who would choose the hardest hikes, the most punishing climbs and most black diamond of ski runs. And then I sprained my goddamn ankle on the small lip between our garage and kitchen and spent the better part of four months waiting for it to heal. My doctor actually said, You'd have been better off just breaking it. And you're at the age where these things don't heal as quickly as they used to. He sounds like a nice doctor, doesn't he? (laughs) That'll punch at anyone's ego. Finally, after almost a year and a half of hobbling around, I was able to function more or less the way I had. And we decided to celebrate with a hiking holiday, albeit an easy one. It turns out my ego was more resilient than my ankle. Since we have family on the Oregon coast and the area is full of trails, We decided that that would be a good place to get back on the horse. The first couple of days, we took it easy. My ankle responded well, and we got a little more adventurous, ending up on a trail near a, a small municipal airport. The whole area belonged to the state park system, and in the US, those can either be really well maintained or really not. I remember going to Borderfield State Park near San Diego, and the lawn had literally overgrown the picnic tables, but I digress. We didn't see anyone on the way to the trail. The airport seemed empty, and the dare path that stood in for a parking lot was completely empty. But we took that as a good sign. Often casual hikers will ignore choice trails because they're a little out of the way. The hike itself was a two-mile length through the woods to cliffs overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and so we set through the trees out to say hello to the great big sea. The path was simple enough, there were birds singing, and so we took it all in as we enjoyed each other's company. Except, the closer to the cliffs, the more the sound seemed to well to recede away at first i was concerned something was wrong with me but then linda noticed it as well around half a mile away from the cliff all noise stopped birds wind everything and we began to feel unsettled if you've ever been stalked by a wild animal out in the bush, in, in the bush you'll know what it feels like to be watched i'll be honest i've not been stalked by a wild animal in the bush and if i had i probably wouldn't be here to tell the tale there we go anyway he says this is what it felt like i'm sure it did Linda had been slightly ahead of me for a few minutes when I saw her stop dead in her tracks. The way the woods felt at that moment, the slightest deviation from the norm felt like a panicked scream. I called to ask what was wrong. She replied and told me to hurry up. When I caught up with her a few seconds later, she turned to me and said she'd seen a woman ahead. She had jet black hair to her shoulders, a pale white face, and appeared to be wearing a grey sweater. The woman had looked at her and then disappeared. Neither of us had any experience dealing with something like this. <laughs> but you've been chased by wild animals, but not a ghost. God forbid. Let's see. So we discussed it for a moment and decided to press on. After all, the sea was close and then we could head back. Once we reached the cliffs, we relaxed and enjoyed the view for a good long while. Partially because of its natural beauty and partially, if I'm honest, because neither of us was excited about the prospect of going back. That sounds fair enough. Eventually, we couldn't push it off anymore, not unless we were planning on becoming cliff people. So back to the trees we went. The uncomfortable feeling of being watched and the eerie silence that accompanied it set back in almost immediately. After we crossed the tree line and we didn't let up until we were another half or a mile or so away, we got back to the car fine and decided that that was the last time we'd hike that particular trail. I don't know what we saw or why we saw it. But I will say, I hope I never have that experience again. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Now, I have actually been stalked by a wild animal in the bush. Really? I was taking the mid yeah. but you have. It's it's
1: more common than you think here, to be honest yeah. Um, seriously, every couple of weeks here in Victoria, there are media reports uh, warning people about bears or cougars oh uh, uh, around schools and things. More yeah. cougars yeah. than bears. More cougars than bears. Uh, it was a bear last week. Was it? That's yeah. insane. Near... Yeah. Oh, which elementary school was it? One of the elementary schools. Oh, and, shit. I had no uh, idea. Yeah.
0: Well, I know uh, when it happened to me, my cousin and I were out for a walk in Revelstoke. Uh, this is back probably about 15 years ago, but it was along what they call the green belt over in the mm. town, part of town called Big Eddy, And it was at two, three in the morning. We're out walking. <laughs> and, oh. As you do. <laughs> as you do. And we could hear footsteps in the bush pacing us because the, the green belt is an elevated walkway. So down the little rise was all trees. And something in the trees was pacing us the whole way. Wow. And we noticed it at the furthest point in the loop. Yeah. So, of course, now we're shitting ourselves. Yeah. uh, Waiting for this thing to turn up. And we finally, we got back to the car. We're walking faster and faster, but the footsteps were faster and faster. And so, eventually, we got back to the car without incident, but we never did find out what was tracking us probably a cougar could have been yeah Yeah. we we have them around there
2: that's insane we don't get any wild animals in liverpool like we get a fox and we once had a mouse in the flat and that's (laughs) it i feel like you have more muggers though oh yeah we definitely do yeah yeah if we get stalked by a wild animal it it will just be a mugger it's probably more scary to be fair probably (laughs) and it can communicate yeah
0: yeah. i remember the closest I've come to liverpool was nottingham and there was some dodgy areas there
2: yeah, I mean, Liverpool's not too bad as a city centre. Like, sometimes I'm very, very cautious when we go out round anywhere else other than Liverpool. And in fact, the village that I came from, um, Heighton, uh, I feel more safe going out in Liverpool city centre than it did going out in Heighton because it's got like that oh, sort wow. of small village feel, you know. But it is, it's relatively safe around here. But there's, again, it's very weird. It's like two streets next to each other. One you wouldn't walk down, and the next one's lovely. And it's, it's literally a street yeah. apart. It's bizarre. I get that. I get oh, that.
0: Th- that happened to me in LA. I was yeah. in Santa Monica. I was walking down the boulevard and it was, you know, Santa Monica Boulevard. So it's, you know, wide open. A lot of people yeah. around. I went one street over and I almost got jumped by some guy.
1: Yeah. The yeah. Owner. I had that experience in uh, Washington, DC as well. Oh, I've heard yeah. DC is pretty heavily yeah. stratified. Like, But it, even here, um, you wouldn't walk down parts of Pandora by yourself at late at night. Yeah. yeah I mean, I would. But Three in it, the morning? It's not. Yeah. yeah not I, a smart move. No, no, that's no. fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah. one block over, you're fine.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, go figure. I'm, the, the small village thing reminds me of when I was uh, living with my wife over in England because she is from the village of Clevedon, yeah. uh, just south of Bristol. And it's the same way. I would not go out past a certain point at night because there's just this feeling of discontent, this sort of angry mm-hmm. yeah. sense of I, I don't even know what you'd call it, but it just, you know, like walking through these large stretches of uh, sort of really hemmed in walkway. At night, you think this is a really great place to get boxed in and have the shit beaten out of you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as we've discussed, I'm not much of a fighter. So,
2: yeah, Simi, I'm a great runner. I mean, I'm also, because as I said earlier, I'm really short sighted. I infamously, amongst my family anyway, once ran away from a set of bins because I thought it was a gang. And um, seriously, <laughs> so like, yeah, I ran the wrong, the long way home. It took me about an hour. And my dad was like, "Where have you been?" I went. I went the long way. There's a gang at the bottom of the road. And he went, "Let's go and sing. We jumped in the car, and I went, "There they are." And as we got closer, it was like ten bins, and I was like,
1: "Oh, <laughs> that's
2: amazing." <laughs>
0: I will say though, that survival instinct means you will outlive both of us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point.
0: This next story is actually from a listener. This was contributed by Jeffrey. My parents weren't really superstitious, but my grandparents who lived with us for about 12 years while I was growing up, they were. A few things happened to me as a child, but nothing too scary. Wasn't until I met my wife that things ramped up. My wife Jocelyn is Filipino, from the southern island of Leyte. I'm sure you guys have heard of people having a third eye. Well, hers is pretty open. Some basic superstitions widely accepted in the Philippines are, the supernatural is more active on Tuesday and Friday nights, salt and holy water are your basic deterrents, Roaming spirits will occupy empty buildings, houses, etc. At night, there is a greeting you would say to spirits or whatever may be in your vicinity as you go about your business in a not-so-busy place. Tabby, Tabby po, And I apologize, Jeffrey, I'm mangling the pronunciation on that. You're essentially excusing yourself. I'll start with my vacation. We started a long-distance relationship back in December of 2007, and I would go back to the Philippines once or twice a year to visit her. On this particular visit, we were staying at my parents' vacation house in the province of Pampanga, where my mother grew up. No one stays at the house most of the time. The house is back-to-back two-story duplex shared with my mother's younger brother. The houses are connected through the open-air basement, under-house driveway, and two balconies, one on each side of the house. Usually I'm there in December for about a month, and these events happened, I believe, during my 2008 visit. Jocelyn and I would go through the ritual of cleaning the house, both physically and spiritually, the best we can. The first disturbance happened a week or so into my visit. It was after breakfast, maybe 9 or 10 in the morning, and I was upstairs in my bedroom listening to music. Jocelyn yelled at me to come downstairs, and when I got there, she said the basement light had been flicking off and on several times as she was washing the dishes. We both went downstairs to investigate. The basement, like I mentioned, was open air, and there is an iron gate that is always locked with another on my uncle's side. We checked all the locks on both sides of the duplex. No one else was there. A few days after this, Jocelyn said she saw a white lady on the stairs leading to the basement. The Skype Call This occurred a few months after Jocelyn and I first met. It was her day off, so we were chatting via Skype. It was kind of late for me, but much later for her. I want to say around 2-3 to in the morning for her. We had been chatting for a bit when a girl walked up next to Jocelyn. I could only see part of her torso and legs. She had on a black shirt and jean shorts. I asked Jocelyn who, who was standing next to her, and she had no idea what I was talking about. I told her there was a girl right next to her, but she said everyone else in the house was asleep and she was alone. Then the girl started talking, but I couldn't understand it or make out the words. It was all garbled, like someone whispering. I don't remember what I said or did after that, but I had to leave my room, and when I returned to the chat, the other girl was gone. Finally, Jocelyn told me to stop asking about the other girl because she had no idea what I was talking about, so I dropped it. We talked again the next day, not so late this time. When I again brought up the subject of the girl, Jocelyn said she really didn't see anything, but she had felt presence next to her. She hadn't wanted to acknowledge it, otherwise the ghost would keep bothering her, or follow her. Finally, the biggest incident was a shared experience that began while we were both sleeping, tired out from a day of shopping and commuting. I felt a pinch on my leg, hard enough to startle me awake. At first, I didn't think anything of it, attributing it to my dreams or maybe a mosquito, and fell back asleep. The second pinch was much harder and I woke with a yelp, frantically looking over at Jocelyn, thinking she was messing with me. She wasn't. Satisfied that she wasn't playing tricks on me, I reluctantly went back to sleep. The third time I was awoken that night, I was violated. Whatever was playing games with me poked me in the anus. This time I yelled and cursed because what the fuck? That woke Jocelyn up. She asked me what was wrong, and I told her I'd been poked in the ass. Needless to say, I did not sleep well after that. In the morning, I found out that while I was getting thrice violated, Jocelyn was having a dream that a pygmy was running around the bedroom messing with me, and after it poked my ass, the pygmy ran off into one of the other bedrooms. There are legends and mythologies of pygmy tribes living in the trees of the Philippines. So thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Jeffrey. That is a brave story. Not cool. No, that's a whole thing.
2: No, that's terrifying, that really is. I it's slightly funny, but terrifying. I would I would argue it's very funny.
0: Uh, <laughs> but also, the thing that makes it funny makes it possibly the most frightening ghost story we've ever told on here. Yeah, absolutely. Because right. getting, I don't know, pushed down a flight of stairs or pushed up against the wall of a locomotive is nothing compared to a finger in my
1: ass.
2: <laughs> no, no way. But imagine if you woke up and said, hey, guess in the night, someone stuck the finger at me bum and your partner going... Oh, I had a dream, not someone done that. This little fellow then he ran out and it was, it's all right. It's just a dream. It's like, no.
0: I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, no connection there whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. My butthole disagrees with you. <laughs> that's a bumper sticker. <laughs> you want all right there, Ian? Oh, he's incapacitated.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that's a bumper sticker. The lady with the bloodshot eyes. My family comes from the Philippines and that's where I grew up. One of the constants of my childhood was my ability to see things others couldn't. My grandmother said it ran in the family, as we came from a long-line lineage of witches and healers. Having her in my life was incredibly important to me because she explained some of the things I was seeing. Without her, I'd have thought I was going mad. This particular story comes from the 1980s when I was five years old. I was still in the Philippines, staying with my parents in my father's ancestral home. An old two-story house with a long staircase. Both my parents are working professionals, so I was often left in the care of my grandmother, who would come over to the house and sometimes stay the night. One day, grandmother had laundry to do downstairs, but I wanted to stay upstairs and read, so she left me alone while she worked. I was a well-behaved kid, so this wasn't unusual, and I never got up to trouble. It was maybe around 6 p.m. when it happened. I was sitting down near the staircase reading when I felt someone was watching me. Thinking it was my grandmother, I looked up and instead saw a woman I didn't recognize on the landing. Her hair was short and a little messy, and she wore a long red dress. Back then, I didn't know I had the ability to perceive things not of this world, so I assumed she was a friend of the family and asked her who she was looking for. She didn't answer, so I told her she could come in and have a seat while she waited. Then, because I was a child and adults were boring, I went back to my book. Only a few seconds passed, but when I looked back up, the lady was an inch from me. I hadn't heard her move, and yet somehow she had closed the gap between us instantly. Her eyes were so bloodshot they looked red. I was so frightened I had an asthma attack, and the next thing I knew, I was waking up in hospital. Once things had settled down, I asked my grandmother about the woman, but she insisted we had been alone in the house the entire time. Thirty years later, I still remember those eyes. And live in fear of ever seeing them again
0: we have a surprising number of stories that come from the philippines yeah 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 the, a rich culture of yeah no kidding paranormal no offense to the philippines but i'm in
1: no hurry to go there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't want to see any pygmy anus poking ghosts no or yeah I mean, or one-shot eye women one-shot eye women yeah, yeah no not cool pass. but you're right over the years actually quite a number of our stories have come from the philippines
2: yeah the bit where she says she closed her eyes and then she'd moved right up closer that part is absolutely horrifying that is i agree you know when you, you think then sorts of ghosts swear, you hear stories very very few of them but that's one of them where you say like you see something in the distance you look away you look back and it's much closer instantly that scares the living oh, yeah. shit out of me that
0: yeah that's one of those go-to things in horror movies that always just yeah can destroy me
1: well remember i don't know if you ever saw doctor who but the the weeping angels or the oh, stone yeah. angels yeah. oh so scary <laughs> yeah I
0: never got into Doctor Who but I think I watched that episode yeah that was terrifying that and the one about the silence oh okay the, the guys who um, I think they're called the silence They you forget them as soon as you look away from them right but, oh, but yeah, they're dressed yeah, like yeah. men in black right yeah they're absolutely terrifying
2: Yeah, we were talking about the Weepin' Willows one in work the the other day, because I I never watched any Doctor Who, and some guy in work said, oh, have you seen the Weepin' Angels one with the Statue of Liberty, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I haven't. And he told me about it, and I went, I need to watch that episode. That sounds petrifying.
0: (laughs) And it did, and it was. I remember people would talk about that, and I'd only ever seen bits of Doctor Who, and I thought, there's no way that show could ever be scary. Because it seems so camp, but uh, no, it was. Oh, yeah. yeah, it, It actually got to me. Yeah. Actually, another great example of the whole like, uh, thing right in your face, like the creature kind of appearing in your face, is in the movie Hell House, LLC, which okay. just scared okay. the ever-loving hell out of me. It's a found footage film. I think it's on Shudder. And uh, mm. there's three of them now. Don't, don't watch the sequels. They're terrible. But the first one is
2: genuinely frightening. <laughs> nice. I'm going to check that out. That sounds good. All right. So we have one story left. Our last story, which I have the privilege of reading, is called In the Lonely Places, Before I say anything, you should know I've obscured several major details of this story, so it can't be linked to my family. My father is a lifelong Navy man, and while stories of this nature aren't actively discouraged in this institution, they're still not part of our everyday life, and we would like it to stay that way. Okay. In the late 1980s, my father was posted to a base on the East Coast and brought the whole family with him. At the time, he was a low man in the hierarchy and he wasn't able to get on-base housing and we ended up living off-base in a small town not far away. The town, which I won't name, was still waiting for that 80s shopping mall and video arcade boom to hit and so most of it was made up of grasslands and marsh. Our house was modest, but situated on a comparatively large patch of land. Down the road was a crematorium and otherwise it was a fairly empty area. I do hope that someone's not listening to all of these and thinking, well, that sounds just like Kentucky, Missouri or something stupid like that. Let's see. One human night, my father was out for a walk and had just passed the grove of trees when he came up on a short, wizened old man. The man spoke English and Spanish and asked my father what brought him out on such a warm night. My father explained he was new to the area and liked to enjoy an evening walk when he could make the time. The old man smiled and nodded, then looked up and down the road on the other side of them. He then told my father that evening time and in this place was a good time to stay at home with his family. My father was a brave man and asked why the old man felt this way. Was he in danger from animals, criminals, Brennan's store? I added that bit in for laughter. Um, The little old man shook his head. It was, he said, simply a time better spent inside. He then began to walk away. It would only be days until my father understood what the man meant. He was again out for a walk. This time, shortly after sunset. The air had taken on that heavy pink and gl- golden hue it does in that part of the world, and father was on his way back home when he became aware of how quiet the world around him had become. It was then he saw a woman in front of him. He hadn't seen her approach, she was simply there, her eyes bloodshot and her face furious. She demanded to know why my father was there, and in an instant he knew what she was. You see, in India, where my family's from, We tell stories about beings such as these. They have claimed the lonely places for themselves and do not welcome intruders. My father was a religious man and he understood how he needed to handle this with care and extreme deference. He told the woman he was returning from a walk and had lost track of time. She responded by telling him never to step there again and immediately disappeared. Sound returned to the world and traffic followed quickly afterward. Father hurried home from this point onward he suffered nightmares in which the woman accosted him again and again occupying all the dark corners of his mind it got so bad that my father fled oh sorry my father filed for leave and returned to india with my mother to consult some elders of our faith he was given a charm which he was to wear at all times and from that point on the visitation stopped we have long since moved but that area is much more built up now with considerably more traffic and I have to wonder if the being is still there invading the dreams of those who dare to intrude on her home. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's terrifying. Sorry for throwing you in there, Brandon, as well. Oh, no, that um, was
0: great. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I am a legitimate danger to people walking
2: alone. So <laughs> At Three in the morning, you seem to be. But um, you know what was weird about that as well? It's kind of like a combination of the other two stories, Bloodshot Eyes and Furious. It's like two have merged into one. Oh, of absolutely course, yeah. yeah
0: yeah good point point. and i'm always fascinated when that happens when we end up with like
1: this sort of confluence of it's weird themes seem to pop out of the episode sometimes without yeah. ever
0: ever planning it, doing yeah. anything yeah, it's yeah really I, wrong. I can barely get these things you know planned in the first place never mind planning <laughs> themes
2: yeah and also it was indian as well so it's it's like three stories combined really it's it's like a nice one to bring it all together
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, agree. absolutely. And and I was thinking too that we had some Indian stories on the like the the haunting of India episode about people with very pale faces. Yes. And uh I think in those cases they had deep-set eyes. Yeah. But it still again seems to be this common theme of people appearing in the lonely
1: places and the eyes are always mentioned yeah always yeah
0: isn't
2: that the jinn as well i was reading something about the the jinn demons or the the, you know the islamic demons and they allegedly reside in places where no one no one longer goes or you know like abandoned schools and stuff and they go into empty buildings that's allegedly in islamic faith apparently where jinn hang out so i wonder i don't know
0: Interesting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I think we we had that one story from a, a person of the Muslim faith who was saying that she felt there was a jinn in one of the unused rooms of her house because right. she used to sleep yeah. in there would have terrible yeah. nightmares. Yeah, yeah. So it was only for the cats now. Yeah, it's yeah. right. should not <laughs> go in there anymore. <laughs> you know, let the let the jinn deal with the cats. Good yeah. yeah. cool plan. Yeah. I know because I, I tend to end up in those places when I'm like empty places when I'm taking pictures because I really love uh, taking photos of, of like night spots. Cool. And I remember there was one particular place in Vancouver where I was, well, it was about 11 o'clock, and I was looking for, because um, I subscribed to one of these uh, car share services. So I wanted to rent a car, go bombing around, get a sandwich. And I couldn't find the place where this damn car was because it was in an alley somewhere. And so I'm walking around this alley in East Vancouver, and if you don't know Vancouver, East Vancouver is not great for walking around generally. And my phone rang. It was a friend of mine. And they said, hey, what, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm you know looking for this car share car and she she said, "Like where and so oh, i'm I'm in East van, uh, just in you know in an alley. She said, "Yeah, that's not great Fine. Uh, and And she actually called me and stayed on the phone till I found the car because she'd had a bad feeling oh. about something, and there wow. was there was no one around well, as far as you know. as far as I knew, yeah, yeah. but just yeah. wandering around this this empty place, and when I took the car and kind of tooled around East Van more, you felt, yeah." Wow. Eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it. Wow. Uh, I sometimes again my survival instinct not great. Kev, you're gonna outlive us all.
3: <laughs>
0: Ian's gonna be killed by so. a sandwich. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And mine will be a ghost mugger or ghost mugger, one yeah, of the two. Yeah,
1: death by waffles. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You'll be, you'll be murdered for wandering into a biker bar and asking for directions. <laughs> <laughs> one,
0: one time, I remember actually, I was driving through rural Washington State at night, and I passed. I think it was called the Rolling Thunder Review. And it was a. And you thought that was a good place to go in? Oh, I (laughs) didn't. No, 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 no. no. But there was a bunch of motorbikes parked out front, and had curtains across the window. (laughs) And I thought, I wonder what would happen if I
1: walked in there. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's like. I wonder what would happen if I just fell in front of the subway train. I wonder what that would be like. Don't know until you try. Briefly, exactly. (laughs) I'm invincible. It's like it's like the woman asking the stewardess, "Um, "How often do planes crash? Only the (laughs) (laughs) ones."
0: Well, that's going to do it for stories of ladies vanishing. Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Kevin, for helping us out with uh, with those stories. It's great having you on and uh, having you uh, liven up the proceedings here. Absolutely. No, we love your style.
2: Well, thank you very much. And it's uh, an absolute pleasure and honored to be on the show. As I have to say, I'm genuinely a big fan. I'm not just blowing smoke. So this is a privilege for me. So thanks, guys.
0: <laughs> us too. Uh, before we go, tell everyone where they can find you.
2: Um, yeah sure so if you search we need to talk about ghosts wherever you get your podcasts um and you'll find it there there's instagram pages and all that malarkey but if you're interested in what you've heard so far go and find the show and you'll hear the rest there
0: excellent yes and make sure to check out kevin's show it's a lot of fun you will not be disappointed no all right so we're going to take a quick break and come back with a patron shout outs and listener mail Welcome back. Thanks again to Kevin Eustace of We Need to Talk About Ghosts for coming on and hanging out with us and for putting up with our equipment failure. Holy God, that was... That was a thing. That was a thing, man. Oh, boy. Man, we got through it. We did. We did. And thank you, listeners, for bearing with us as uh, I have not edited the show yet, but I feel as though it could be... A monumental test. Yeah, a little bit patchy. Good thing you've got
1: a little extra time.
0: Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I do have extra time. Yeah. Thanks also, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their help on this and every episode. We truly couldn't do it without you. And I guess we'll get right into our patron shoutouts. Sounds good. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our newest patrons. They are Michael. Elaine. And Cliff. Thank you so much, guys. We're recording this episode about almost a full week ahead of when we ordinarily would. Yeah. So if you sign up between now and when the episode comes out and you're wondering why you haven't been name checked, that's why, but we'll definitely get to you on the next episode and thank all of you so much for your support. We can't tell you how much it means to us. It just makes life so much better. So thank you for supporting us. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at the one, five, ten, twenty, 10, 20 and $50 levels with access to things like live shows, Bonus episodes, exclusive stickers, art cards with my night photography, and of course, Ian's smash hit <laughs> Christian country album, Aware of Wonder. So you can get access to all of that at patreon.com slash ghost story, guys. And while we appreciate everyone of you who sign up, we also appreciate everyone who listens. That in and of itself is a, an incredible amount of support, and it means the world to us. So next up, we have Listener Mail.
2: Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you.
0: Of course, we appreciate everyone who writes into us with your compliments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. And of course, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at ghoststoryguys, Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys, and Instagram at instagram.com slash the ghoststoryguys. This time around, we'd like to thank the following people for reaching out. They are Alexia,
1: Allison, Chris, Jackie, Tia, Lakshmi, Jenny, Lar, Jeffrey, Brandy, Justin, Amber, Kimberly, Rin, Daniel, Carolyn, Chelsea, Anna, Margaret, Elaine, Amber, and Jane.
0: Yes. So thanks again for reaching out folks. Again, it just reminds us that you're out there, that you're listening to the show and we love the feedback. We love being able to adjust depending on what you tell us and just know what's going through your head. So again. If you want to send us a message or share a story with us, ghost guys at gmail.com. A couple people wrote in to ask about noise, uh, on the last show. And, and I know that we have had sort of anomalous sound in the studio in past, but I'll be honest with you. The studio we're using is jam band space. It's not actual podcast recording space. So there is a ton of bleed through and the folks in the next unit have been a lot louder. So. If you do hear something in the background, it's sadly nothing spooky. It's just this terrible, terrible studio that we're in. But, uh, thanks for reaching out and letting us know. Cause again, I know we have picked up some, uh, paranormal things and or seemingly paranormal things in past on the show. And, uh, who knows, maybe it'll happen again in the future. Although I feel like being out of the haunted studio.
1: Yeah. I think that's helped a lot. Yeah. 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 I'm actually quite relieved. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs>
0: Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps bumps the numbers and put more people onto the show. We get a couple more reviews every week, and we really, really appreciate it. So thank you very much. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to GhostStoryGuys.Redbubble.com. We have all our designs up there. And if you do buy something, make sure to send us uh, an email forward your receipt to us, and we will send you a couple stickers as a thank you. And if you want to put up a picture of you wearing your gear or with your uh, your new swag. Whatever it is, on social media, we'll definitely repost this. Just remember to tag us. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music. Our stories theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find more from them at hexagram with two X's, not three, dot bandcamp.com. All of that song is a patron exclusive. That is not available anywhere else except to our $10 patrons. Finally, and Kevin doesn't know this, so it'll come as a surprise to him. (laughs) Tonight, we're going to go out with one of his songs. Uh, We're going to go out with Dance Tonight, and it's uh, a lot more upbeat than our usual ending theme, but I think it's a hell of a catchy song, and I really want to share it with our listeners. So you can find more from him at, uh, I guess he's on SoundCloud. Google Kevin Eustis on SoundCloud, or Kevin J Eustis rather, and on Spotify and everywhere else you stream your music. All other music and sound effects on this show were licensed through Epidemic Sound, If you're looking for pod safe music and sound effects for your next project, make sure to head on over to epidemicsound.com to check it out. I guess that's going to do it. Yeah, I think we're good. We'll be back in two weeks with another show. And until then, into the darkness
1: we go.
3: We're going out tonight. I'm not going to ask you twice you heart hiding And that ain't you oh, We're going out tonight oh, We're gonna dance tonight I'm not gonna tell you twice You're hiding And that ain't you Oh, We're gonna dance tonight Ooh, it's a lovely place I gotta tell you, got a lovely fire The band's in a cappella And I I'm going to dance with you tonight We're going out tonight I'm not going to tell you twice You're hiding and that ain't you We're going out tonight We're going to move tonight I ain't going to ask you twice your heart hiding And that made you We're gonna move tonight Ooh, it's a lovely place I gotta tell you got a lovely fire The band's and jack a And I'm gonna dance With you Tonight We're gonna dance tonight I ain't gonna ask you twice your are hiding and that ain't you you're gonna dance tonight oh 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 you're gonna dance tonight sweet girl
0: you're gonna dance tonight maybe i i won't sound quite so desperate <laughs> welcome
1: <laughs> it just burp no i did it did that oh okay well, I'm going to do this. Oh, God. Not when I'm right beside you. <laughs> God, you're so gross. Classic. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. I'm
0: just sitting here. Just sitting here minding my own business.
1: I said myself up.
0: Yeah, you really did?
1: Yeah, I really did. Yeah. Nope. No judgment. <laughs> all right. Islands in the stream. No, I'm not doing that with you. I have to compliment Brennan on his excellent editing skills and stuff. God, yeah. I don't actually know how to do it.
0: Yeah, you got to feed the ego. Otherwise, the show just doesn't
2: happen. Yeah, I actually
1: had him convinced that I thought the way the podcast went out to our listeners was through Facebook.
2: You're like, I sit here? Yeah? Okay, good. Yeah,
1: exactly. I sit here. Where's my snacks? I know chair. Chair works for me. (laughs) Chair and mic. I can do those. (laughs) I'm so
0: sweaty. I haven't showered yet today. Gross. Oh, no, I did shower. Did I shower? I don't care. Just don't. Get anywhere near me. <laughs> How, I couldn't get any more near to you unless I was fucking on top of you. Oh, don't get
3: your hopes up.
2: <laughs> she doesn't pull a pygmy on you. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Nope. <laughs> Not
1: cool. Well, you better lead it off because I seriously don't know where we're going with this. Just follow my lead, okay. baby. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's like dancing with a beautiful lady. Oh, or God, man. stop.
1: Please stop. I'll hit my wife, but no one remembers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. And now, poor Paul looks more like Angela Lansbury than his
2: former self. <laughs> he does. He's I still- was laughing. There's, um, the Rolling Stones are celebrating the 125th uh, anniversary, and he's on the cover, but the way they've shot it looks like he's 125. <laughs> <laughs> Fair it's
0: like the old days. Uh, it really is.
1: Remember when we shared a mic?
0: I do. Perfect. Okay, yeah. So, that's uh, we're going to share the same mic now. Okay, two, <laughs> that's better. This is like Kenny this Rogers. Is way too
1: close. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, you're I, on your own, sweetie. Yep. Yeah. I bravely ran away. Away. Yeah, the <laughs> <I bravely laughs> rabbit Yeah, Exactly. Very
3: good.